You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, what is up, Grace Church? It is so good to be with you guys. My name is Kent. I have the great pleasure of serving as the pastor for our Olathe campus. Uh, Grace Church has two locations. We've got a campus in Olathe. We've got a campus in Overland Park. So uh, if you're joining us from either one of those, welcome. We're glad that you're here. You may be joining us online, and if that's the case, thanks for uh, taking the time to hang out with us. We have prayed for you. We hope today is a blessing. We hope you're encouraged. We hope that you are inspired. We are going to continue a series today called Room to Room. And so if you need a uh, Bible, if you need a service handout, if you need a pen to write on that service handout, uh, just lift up your hand in any of our locations. Someone will be coming around to uh, get you taken care of uh, with that. Now, if you don't have a Bible of your own, please consider the one we're giving you a gift. Take that home with you. So in this series, we are discussing rooms that represent different aspects of our internal lives. All right, what we might call our mind or our heart. Uh, and even more specifically, we're talking about our spiritual lives, that internal part of us that connects with God, what the Bible would refer to as our soul our, or our spirit. Now, the Apostle Paul actually called this our inner being. Uh, he wrote that in the book of Ephesians and, and in his letter to the Romans. The Apostle Peter was a little more creative about his description of this. He called it the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart. I like that, like that description. You know, in the Bible, uh, several places, our spiritual lives are likened to a house or a building. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, the Bible says that we are God's building, that we're his temple, that the Holy Spirit desires to dwell in. We are God's building project. We are his house that he desires to live in. See, God created every single one of us with the desire to dwell with us, to have relationship with us. And so we are looking at what it means to be a house that is filled with God and filled with his glory. Check out what the Bible has to say in 1 Peter chapter number 2, starting in verse number 5 about our spiritual house. 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, it says, you yourselves like living stones, all right? So not like dead stones or bricks that we would build a building with, but he's talking about a spiritual house. You and I, living stones, living beings, are being built up as a spiritual house. So it's not just an individual thing. It's a collective thing. We're being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, meaning people who have access to God to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible also talks about our spiritual house in Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians two, starting in verse number 19, it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So not only are we a house but we are a collection of houses. We're like a neighborhood, right? A spiritual neighborhood of houses. What are we, what are we doing? What's the, what, what's the purpose in all this? Ephesians 2.21 says, in whom Christ 
The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, God sees our lives, our spiritual lives, as a building project. And he's partnering with us in this building project to build a house for him to dwell in, to build a place that he can be glorious in, that he can shine through. Now, the question is, are we partnering with him? He wants to partner with us in this building project. Do we want to partner with him? Or are we trying to build our house on our own and in our own way? You know, Psalms 127 and verse number one says, except the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. See, God's desire is to go from room to room in our spiritual lives, from one aspect of our spiritual lives to another, and build it to reflect his glory. Build it to reflect his craftsmanship. Build it so that he can be made known through your house. He wants to put your spiritual house on the parade of homes and let everybody look at it so they can see the glory of our God. So I want to begin today by asking a question something for us to consider as we walk through this together, and that's this. What condition is your spiritual house in? What condition is your spiritual house in today? How is your spiritual life doing? How is your connection to God going? Now, you might say, well, I I think it's in good shape. I I think we're doing good outside of a little, you know, basic upkeep and cleaning. I I think my spiritual house is, is doing pretty good. Others may say, well, you know, I I think it's okay. I think the house is solid, but it can probably use uh, a a little upkeep, a little renewal. Uh, It's a little stale. It needs to be refreshed. Some of you, maybe you're in a place where you're like, yeah, you know what? Uh, My spiritual house, it's, it's, it's a mess. I need a complete remodel, man. I need a renovation. There's stuff in my, in my spiritual house that's broken down. It's not only outdated, it's broken. It's in need of repair. And maybe there, there's some that are saying, I, yeah, I don't even really know what you're talking about. Spiritual house, spiritual connection with God. I don't, I don't really have that. Maybe you're, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, you're spiritually homeless today. Uh, you're not sure what that's all about. Well, whatever your situation is, whatever, whatever place you find yourself in, let me encourage you with this truth, that God is the master home builder. He is the master contractor. He is the master remodeler. And he wants to build your house. He wants to renew your house. He wants to remodel your house if need be to make it glorious, to make it a blessing, to make it a blessing for you and to be a blessing through you to other people. That is his desire with your life. Now, last week we began this series and Shannon kicked it off and he talked about the kitchen of our spiritual lives or more specifically, our spiritual hunger. Now, this week, we're going to be looking at the living room of our spiritual house, or more specifically, our spiritual community. So with that, would you mind joining me in a word of prayer? Let's ask the Lord to join us as we dive deeper into this. So Father, we look to you right now. We know, God, that your desire is to meet with us. Your desire is to work in us. Your desire is to build in us a dwelling place for yourself. You want to work in us in such a way that that you make us glorious for you. And so, Lord, I pray you do that. All of us came today with work that needs to be done, regardless of what condition our house is in. Each individual has work that needs to be done. So, God, we're here 
We want to open up the door to the home and let you in so you can do the work that you need to do. Father, be supernatural, be spiritual, and do what only you can in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, every house needs a living room. Every house needs a living room. You know, my wife, Kim, and, and I, we, uh, with every house that we've ever owned, we've always wanted to have, and we've not actually had this in every house that we've, we've owned, but we've always wanted to have an open floor plan, right? Specifically with a living room that we can invite people into, that we can host others in. Because we've always considered our house as not just a place for our family, uh, which it is, and it's awesome, but we also consider it a place that we minister to others in. We, we always assume that it's a gift from God that we get to bless other people with. So in our home, we've always wanted to host small groups, and we've always wanted to host uh, ministry meetings. We've always wanted to just have friends over so we can bless them. Uh, we've wanted to have grace groups in our house, that kind of thing. We've always wanted our living room to be a place where it was inviting, where it was comfortable. In fact, we actually went out and bought like oversized couches with big uh, cushions, cushiony, cushiony cushions. Like when you sit in it, you kind of sink into it with big fat pillows that you just feel comfortable and safe. And we wanted people to feel at home in our home because we believe that the living room is where community happens. That's where souls are engaged. That's where life is exchanged. Now, here's a picture of my current living room. Uh, nothing big, nothing elaborate, but hopefully comfortable and inviting. Um, but that room is the center point of our home. That room is the place where the action happened. That's, that's where life goes on. That room is where I meet with the Lord every morning, if it's not nice outside or, or light outside. Um, that, that room is the place where some, some great spiritual exchange has taken place, where some great spiritual conversations have gone down, where some hard conversations have happened. That room is a place where my family gathers and we celebrate, we laugh, we cry together. That room is a place on occasion where uh, my grace group meets. That room is a place where some healthy confrontation has taken place. Life has gone on in that room. But as you look at the picture, there's something missing from the picture. I realized after I took it, what's missing from the picture? People. (laughs) There's no people. There's nobody living in the living room. There's no living going on in there. The living room is made for living. People should be living in that spot. And I took the picture and realized, wow, there's, there's no living happening in there. See, we all need a living room in our spiritual house because we all need community in our spiritual lives if we're going to lead healthy and whole spiritual lives. Not one of us is an exception to this. We all need community. That's what we're built for. So let me ask this. What does your living room, I ask you what your house looks like, but specifically, what does your living room look like in your spiritual house? Is there community? Is there life? Are there people in it? Or does your living room look more like a showroom? And I don't want to offend anybody because you might have a living room like this, but you know those houses where there's a room that nobody goes into? It looks pristine. I mean, it just looks awesome, and it's decorated nicely, and it's got trendy furniture in there. It's uncomfortable, but trendy, and pillows on it really nice, and the, the carpet always has the vacuum lines, like always, like there's never a footprint. The tables never have fingerprints or like, you know, rings from uncoastered drinks on it. It's just nice, and nobody goes in there. And I think about this. I wonder if, if, if that's like many of our spiritual living rooms. We don't want people going in there. 
You know, it's like we've got the red, red velvet chain there. Yeah, stay out of there. Don't, I don't want anybody messing up my living room. See, there's some of us that actually think that we can have a whole healthy life without other people in it. That's just not the case. You see, there's some that aren't inviting community into their spiritual living rooms because of something we mentioned earlier. Maybe it's just a need of some renewal. It's stale. It needs to be refreshed or it just needs to be remodeled. It's a mess. And maybe we're afraid to invite people in. Like, man, I don't want to invite people into this, this mess I've got going on here. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm a little bit scared. I'm, you know, maybe the last time that you invited people in, they trashed the place. They wrecked it. Like, man, you know, last time I invited people into my life, they broke stuff. I really haven't gotten over that. Maybe for you growing up, your living room, be it spiritually or literally, your living room, it was a war zone. You didn't get to see healthy, life-giving relationship going on in your living room. You don't know what that is in your own life. All you know is what you've experienced, and what you've experienced hasn't been so good. And so now you're like, man, I don't, I don't even know how to invite people. And I don't know, I'm not even sure what that's supposed to look like. Well, regardless of your situation, here's the reality that we all need to understand and we need to embrace. And that's this. We are built for community. We are built for community. It's not an accident. We are built for community. Our spiritual house has a standard floor plan from the heavenly contractor. It's a standard floor plan, and every single one of them comes with a living room. We've all been built with a living room. We've all been built with a space to invite others in because the heavenly contractor understands this. You and I need community. And so he's built us with a house that has a living room so that we can invite people into our lives. We are built for community. So knowing that, I want to share three things with us to consider as it relates to spiritual community in our lives. The first thing is this. Basic needs are met in community. Our basic needs are met in community. Do you realize God designed us to actually need one another? I need you. You need me. We need what each other has for each other. We need a space to invite people in to provide the things that we need to live this life in a whole and full way. Now, this just isn't a a religious thing. This just isn't a Bible principle. This is a human principle. You may be here, and you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not a spiritual person or a God person, and and maybe you got invited here today. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Maybe you're just kind of checking things out. But listen, this isn't just for religious people. This is for all people. This is a human principle. Our deepest need, one of them anyway, is human connection. In our core, we need to be connected to other people, to be loved, to be accepted, to be forgiven, to be known. We need that in our lives. We have to have that. There's a certain level of healthy self-love. There's a certain level of healthy self-acceptance. That's a good thing. We need those things. But at the end of the day, I need that from another person. I need to experience those type of things from someone else. Do you realize that God designed every living thing to be sourced for survival from other living things? Nothing survives on its own. Nothing just makes it on its own. Let's just look at the human living thing for an example. Humans need three things to survive. They need air, they need water, 
They need food. As long as we have those three things, we can make it. Shelter's a good thing too, but we can, you know, manage. But food, air, and water, we need those things. Do we produce any of those things on our own? None of them. God designed us to need three things at least to survive, and none of them we produce on our own. We have to be sourced from the outside. So it is with things like love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, acceptance. Those things are to my soul like food, air, and water are to my body. I have to have them if I'm going to survive and thrive. That's the way God designed us. Biblical, the biblical directive to love one another, we see that all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New, but particularly in the New Testament, love one another, love one another. That's just not a good suggestion. That's a directive to keep you alive. That's a survival command. Love one another because someone else needs what you have. And guess what? You need what they have. Love one another. See, if you're not allowing for community in your internal life, you are cheating your soul of what it needs to thrive and be whole. Let me repeat that one just in case you didn't catch it. If you're not allowing for community in your life, you're cheating your soul of what it needs to thrive and be whole. So whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whether you're a spiritual person or not, basic needs are met in community. But let's take that a step further. Because becoming a Jesus follower actually provides the option for another type of community. Which brings us to our next point. And that's this. Fellowship happens in community. Fellowship happens in community. See, we, we, not only do we need relationships, we need spiritual relationships, spiritual companionship, spiritual friendships. It's what the Bible refers to as fellowship. We need fellowship. And fellowship are relationships that are bound by love and mutual purpose. They're bound by love and mutual purpose. And most people, again, whether you're spiritual or not, you have experienced fellowship to some level. You've experienced relationships that were bound in love and bound by a mutual purpose. In fact, you may have even referred to them as a spiritual experience, even if you're not a spiritual person. Because you realize that there's something about this relationship that's beyond, you know, a working environment relationship. There's something in this relationship that's beyond just normal connection. It's, it's, there's, a, there's an intangible connection happening on. You would call it a spiritual thing. With my best friend, with uh, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my spouse, there's a connection that goes further than just the physical thing that's happening. It's bound in love. It's bound in mutual purpose. But see, when the Bible speaks of fellowship or spiritual relationships. It's speaking of relationships that are bound in the love of Jesus, bound in the purpose of Jesus. That's biblical fellowship. In fact, John, he wrote about this in the, in the book of 1 John, chapter number one. The apostle John, he wrote in 1 John chapter one and verse three, he says, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. Now, what he's talking about, he, hey, we've seen Jesus. We've actually heard him. I was with him. I saw him with my eyes. I heard him with the ear, my ears. And that which I've seen and heard, I'm, tell, I'm sharing it with you. I'm sharing my experience with Jesus with you. And look what he says. Why? So that you too may have fellowship with us. 
And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, right? There's mutual love in Christ and mutual purpose in him. Look what he says in, in, in verse number four. And we are writing these things. Here's why I'm telling you this. Here's why I'm saying this to you. We are writing these things so that our, our joy may be complete. So you're not going to experience the complete joy in Christ until you understand what biblical fellowship is all about. Fellowship is the context for true discipleship. And when I say discipleship, I'm talking about the mission, the purpose that all of us have. If you're a Jesus follower, this is your mission. This is your purpose. This is the mutual purpose we all have, and that is to make disciples. Jesus said that, hey, go and make disciples of everyone in the world so that they can go and make disciples, so they can go and make disciples. That is our mutual purpose, and that happens in the context of fellowship. You cannot grow spiritually until you are connected relationally. If you think to yourself, no, I got this. I can manage. I'm going to grow in the Lord on my own. Can I tell you that that is folly? That is not biblical. That does not in any way have anything to do with what Scripture tells us. You can't do it on your own. You can't grow spiritually until you're connected relationally because that's where we develop emotional and spiritual maturity. You know, my personal growth has been massively impacted by those who um, I have allowed into my living room. And actually even more so by those who have let me in their living room, right? I mean, I have learned so much and I owe so much to those who have mentored me over the years. Um, But really, I think I owe even more to those who have allowed me to mentor them and to give and to share what I have seen and what I have heard in Christ with them. You know, my first experience with a relationship like that was actually with none other, none other than our senior pastor, Tim Howie. And uh, Tim tells the story often of how he came to Christ. by he, at, he attended a Bible study when he was 19 years old. He was in Blue Springs, Missouri. And uh, in that, when he attended that Bible study, he put his faith in Jesus Christ. He made Jesus his Lord and his Savior that night. Well, that just happened to be a Bible study that some friends and I were hosting. I didn't really know Tim at the time, but he came in, this guy, he gets saved. And I had been actually only saved about a year. I had given my life to Christ uh, about a year previous to that. And at the time, the community of believers that we were involved in, we kind of had this uh, mentoring program, these lessons that you could take somebody through one-on-one. And somebody had been taking me through those lessons in that, in that year. Um, and then, so when Tim came to Christ, somebody mentioned to him, hey, you ought to let somebody pair up with you and begin to share their life in Christ with you. Um, and we've got just a guy for you. He just finished up uh, some of these lessons. He would love to be part of it. Well, they're talking about me. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I just... I'm kind of new at this. I just, I'm just figuring some stuff. I mean, I, my experience in Christ is like this much. And, and they're like, yeah, well, it's that much more than his. So let's do this. And so praise God. Thank, I'm so thankful to Tim because he was willing to let me into his living room. He was willing to let me share my experience in Christ with him. And it propelled me down a path of growth exponentially, much more so even than when I was learning myself. So I'm so thankful to Tim for allowing me to do that. And it's funny how things come full circle. But let me ask, do you, have, do you have relationships like that? Do you have relationships where you're sharing your life in Christ or someone else is sharing their life in Christ with you? Now, some of you are saying, man, I, I don't, actually. And I wish I did. Um, can I just encourage you to do this one thing? Invite someone into your living room. 
Invite someone in. Look for someone who may be a little further down the road in this, this journey with Christ. Look for one, someone who looks like they have a solid relationship with the Lord and go to that person and say, look, man, I've, I've noticed that you uh, kind of have things together, it looks like, with the Lord. And I know you probably don't have it all together, but it looks like you're down the road a little further than I am. And it looks like you've got something to offer. And I, would you mind, if we got together, would you mind sharing your life in Christ with me? Would you mind sharing the things that God's doing here? I guarantee you that person, unless they're just inundated with a ton of other people that they're sharing their life in Christ with, they're going to tell you yes. They're going to say yes. Or they're going to say, man, I can't do it, but let me help you find someone who will. Or rudely invite yourself into someone else's living room. Maybe you're further down the road. Maybe you see someone who says, man, uh, it looks like you're new to the faith. Looks like you could use some support. Looks like you could use someone coming alongside of you and being a friend for you. I, I would love to just spend some time sharing my life in Christ, my experience in the Lord with you. Would you mind if we did that? I promise you most people, unless they're just, you know, just antisocial to the max. I mean, most people are going to say, yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. We need to invite people in. See, fellowship is where we practice the one another's. See, we've got all these commands in the New Testament to love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, all these one another's. Well, where do we practice that? In fellowship, in community with other believers. That's where we practice that. That's why it's so important to have small group in your life. Here at Grace, we call it a grace group because we call everything at Grace, grace something. And we call this a grace group. And so in those grace groups, those are designed, they are specifically designed to be an environment for fellowship to take place. They're specifically designed for us to practice the one another's. If you're not in a group, can I just encourage you, get in a group. Well, how do I get in a group, Kent? Excellent question. Listen, next month, there's a group link going on. That is one of our ways in which we launch new groups. So here at the Overland Park campus on August 25th, there's going to be a group link. If you're not in a group, go online, register for group link, show up, get grouped together with a bunch of people who will now be your new best friends for the rest of your life, right? That's how that works. It's funny how it works, but that's how it works. In the Olathe campus, we're doing it on August 27th. Man, we group link. If you're not connected, get connected. Let people begin to start sharing life with you and you sharing life with them. My grace group, we actually had a group link back in February in in Olathe, and my wife and I, we got into a group, and that group has been amazing. And over the last six months, man, we have just been able to practice the one another's, and specifically, we've had some very difficult things go on in our group, Not, not between the members of our group, but in our own individual lives, just a lot of hard things happening. And I have watched these people that we've just gotten to know over the last six months step up and one another, each other, love each other, support each other, care for each other, pray for each other, clean each other's houses, bring each other food, go to the hospital with each other. They've been there, man. It's awesome. I thank God for this group of people who are now in my living room, both figuratively, spiritually, and literally. We need to invite people into our living rooms for fellowship to occur. So basic needs are met in community. Fellowship happens in community. And one final thing. God works through community. God works through community. This is his chosen method to work into this world and into our lives. The concept is actually patterned after his very own nature. 
God himself is what we call a trinity. It's what the Bible calls a Godhead. It's God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. They're all God, but they're three different persons working together in community to accomplish his purposes in this universe, in this world, and in our lives. I don't understand all that, but that's how it works. It's a community. God himself is a community. And when he created man, he said, I'm going to pattern this after myself. In fact, he said in Genesis 1:26, let us, speaking in his community of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's, let us make man in our image. And he did. And in Genesis 1 and 2, you see this whole creation story. And he's creating, you know, the, the land and the air and the earth and the sea and the birds and the bees and the trees and all these things that start with E's and D's. And then he, he said, man, all these things are good. Man, the land's good. The air's good. The sea's good. The animals are good. The trees good. The bees are good. Everything's good. Except he got to one thing. And he said, well, this, this isn't good. It was man. He created a man. And then he looked at him and said, Adam, this isn't good that you're alone. It's not good that you're alone. Wait a second. I mean, didn't, I mean, Adam wasn't alone. He had God. I mean, isn't that enough? I mean, you know, all I need is you. All I need is you. Well, apparently not. Apparently God says, this is not good enough. You need someone else because I work through community and I'm going to create someone to help you out so I can work through you to accomplish my purposes in this world. Jesus established the same pattern. When he came into this world, he had a mission to accomplish. He had a purpose and he invited others in. He had a big old living room with big old couches and big old pillows. They said, come on in. Listen, we have a mission to accomplish and I need you to accomplish it. And we together are going to get this done because God works through community. The church, you know what we are? All we are is a gathering of people that God wants to work through. We are a community that God wants to do work through. See, Jesus said it like this. He said, I will build my church. Now, that word church, by the way, comes from a Greek word, ekklesia. It means gathering. I'm going to build my gathering of people. He's not building a me. He's not building a you. He's building an us. And we together, we're individually built up within the context of community. And in that community, God wants to go to work. Can I tell you, that's why I get so fired up about the weekend I get fired up about the idea, the, 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 the hope, the idea, the, the actual doing of getting together with God's community of people and letting him go to work. I get to, let, I get to be a part of what God does through the community of his church in bringing glory to his name, reaching other people for his purposes. Every Sunday morning, we don't have a Saturday service in Olathe yet, but every Sunday morning I wake up and when I'm conscious enough to figure out that it's Sunday, my heart rate actually jacks up like, oh man, it's Sunday. God, it's Sunday. Dude, we get to be with your people today. This is awesome. We get to do something. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to work today. I get to be a part of something supernatural because you work through community. And I'm going to gather with this small army of people and we are going to put together, we are going to transform what was once an elementary school into a place where people can meet with God. And I get to be a part of that. I get to set up a chair where somebody may sit down and from that chair find their way into heaven that was once in elementary schools. Now is a place that people are meeting with God. And I get to be a part of that. That's exciting. We get to come together on the weekend, join together, serve together, worship together so God can meet with us and be powerful and be present. And that's awesome. We get to do that because God works through community. And then we get to take those little communities and go out into the community and serve and bless God works through community. Do you have community? 
Because basic needs are met in community. Fellowship happens in community. And God can't work if there's no community. So would you do me a favor? Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? I want to finish on more of a reflective note. And I want to finish by asking the same questions I asked at the beginning. And I want you to be honest with yourself, and I want you to be honest with the Lord. What condition is your spiritual house in right now? More specifically, what condition is your spiritual living room in right now? Have you made space for community, or is there life exchange going on? Are you sharing your life in Christ with someone else? Are you allowing someone to share theirs with you? Do you even have a spiritual house? Have you let Christ lay the foundation in your life for relationship? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin? Have you asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Do you know God at all? Father, as we contemplate these things, as we consider our spiritual house, our spiritual living room, God, would you please reveal to us the things that need to be worked on, the things that we need to let you go to work on. As our master craftsman, as our master remodeler, our master builder, Lord, would you go to work? And Father, for any soul in this room who they don't have a home yet, They don't have a home in you. They don't have a relationship with you. God, would you let them know in this moment how much you love them? Would you let them know that you created them for a purpose and that you want to dwell with them, that you want to live life with them, that you've died for them to forgive their sins, and if they would just come and admit their sin and confess you as Lord and Savior, that, God, you would take up residency in their house and you'd live with them. And not only that, but they can live with you for all of eternity. So God, do the work that only you can do in us right now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.